You're listening to the Gates Church Podcast. For more information or to support this ministry, please visit thegates.org. I've been praying for an acquaintance of mine this week, and I'll tell you why. We, we cross paths. Um, it's funny, I was just talking to someone at coffee break about riding my bike. It seems I do that a lot, talk about riding my bike. When I'm not riding my bike, I talk about riding my bike. So here we are at coffee break talking about it, and that's fun for me. Um, but the person I was praying for in the past few days is someone that I know through cycling. So I ride my bike uh, to and from work, and this person also rides their bike to and from work. They work downtown, so do I. And so calling ourselves friends would be a bit of a stretch, but we're acquaintances and we both ride bikes, so I feel like fast friends with him. Um, anyways, and I'm trying not to say that I ran into him this week, because that would be a bad thing to say in the cycling world. I did not run into him. We crossed paths, as we sometimes do. We're acquaintances, and we commute in the same place. So anyways, it was nice to see him. Um, we're just small talk, catching up a little bit, as much as you can while you're both riding your bike. Um, but very quickly, this small talk turns to big talk. And I was... Uh, a bit surprised with what he was sharing with me because, like I said, I barely know the guy, but he's super nice. And so I was just listening. He said, yeah, I've got a lot on my mind. Um, And I said, oh, why is that? And he said, and as he explained to me, basically he's got an opportunity to work for a different organization in a different city. Um, And I, I believe that they were actually just getting settled in Lethbridge. So there's this opportunity and and, you know, he's got a family and stuff like that. So he was telling me about this, and I was listening. And, and you know, it sounded exciting, and, and I think he was definitely considering it as an option. But anyways, as we came to the point in the path where he would go south and I would keep riding west, just right at the end there, he said something to the effect of, yeah, well, I have to decide before tomorrow morning. And this is like at 530 on that night. So I was surprised because I had missed that detail before. So he had this big decision to make before the next morning. And obviously it was significant for him. And with that, you know, he went left and I went straight and, and I was just kind of shocked a little bit. And as he left, I wanted to like shout down the pathway, I'm praying for you. Uh, But that completely goes against my personality. And it didn't really come into my mind until he was already gone. So I was uh, thinking about my friend and his big decision, praying for him uh, just in where he was at. Anyways, we've all been, not in this particular position, but we've all been in a place before where we're faced with a big choice, where we're faced with a decision in front of us, or we're required to think carefully and make a plan. And I found a helpful uh, flow chart that I sent to Tina, if she can throw that up there. Um, for you today. Do you need new shoes? Yes, then buy new shoes. If no, sure you do, buy new shoes. The answer is always yes, buy new shoes, if you're a sneakerhead. Um, if this is you, you might have a problem, and you need to uh, sort that out somehow, because you'll have, you've only got two feet. Um, <laughs> anyways... 
it, it works for bikes too and guitars and pretty much any material object. So we're all subject to this. Those are little decisions. Um, what about big decisions? We don't have a flow chart. We wish we did. And sometimes we try to seek people out who can explain or give us advice or wisdom like this flow chart, which will simplify things. But the reality is, in life, when we're faced with important things, life is complex. It's complicated. It's nuanced. Um, our big decisions are made up of a thousand smaller decisions. So what do we do when we're at a crossroads? What do we do when we're faced with an opportunity and we don't know what to do? And I, I know that some of us for sure are in this position this morning because it happens all the time. <clears throat> First of all, there are a couple of approaches, or I'll call them temptations, that I think are not wise for us. Uh, before we read the Proverbs wisdom, I'll, I'll describe a couple of the automatic, natural temptations when we are faced with uh, a humongous decision before us. I think that, and there are two extremes of the same spectrum, we tend to either want to stress out or check out. We either want to stress out or check out. And so the first one we're familiar with, we talk about it all the time, we're stressed, right? We're stressed because the anxiety of... The thing that's in front of us is overwhelming and we don't want to mess it up. And what if we make our plans a little bit wrong and things don't work out in the end? And so we lie awake at night. We lose sleep, stressing over the decision that we have to make. Or some of us get tired of feeling stressed and so we go all the way to the other side and we check out. And by this I mean we ignore the reality of what's in front of us. We choose not to engage with the problem at hand or the situation. And instead we say, I'm just not even going to make a plan at all because if I don't make a plan, it won't fail. Right? And so I'm off the hook. I'm not going to make a decision. It's just going to, I'm going to put it out of my mind. And we go like that. So we check out. We either stress out or we check out. And I don't think that either of these are what God wants for us. I think that uh, God has provided us with more than that, more than just our natural instinct to either freak out or to ignore our problems. Neither of these is very wise. So I'm thankful uh, this morning to have the wisdom of Proverbs. This is what we've been talking about all summer as we've been going through is different topics and verses from the book of Proverbs. And it's no surprise that since Proverbs is all about wisdom, that in Proverbs, uh, King Solomon and the other writers discuss what we've already been talking about, uh, the place when you are at a crossroads, uh, how to make uh, big choices and what it looks like for us to have God's wisdom in that moment. Uh, there's two main verses that I'll read this morning for you to think about and to discuss the first one is from Proverbs 16, it's verse 9. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. And the second, uh, very similar but slightly different, is Proverbs 19:21, which tells us, this is a different translation as well, um, many plans are in a person's mind, but the Lord's purpose will succeed. Many plans are in a person's mind, but the Lord's purpose will succeed. So 
perhaps the first thing to realize in these verses is that making plans is a part of the equation, right? It's actually assumed. The writer says that the heart plans his way. We have plans in our minds. Choices are inevitable. So if, if you're the, the person who, when you get to a crossroads, you attempt to refuse to engage or you check out and don't want to make a choice, maybe the first thing you need to hear is this, to stop avoiding the responsibilities in life and to actually choose to plan for what's next, to take care and have wisdom in our decisions instead of ignoring reality. Because it's necessary. It's necessary for us to plan for the future. And it's not a bad thing. Proverbs doesn't, contrary to what we often think, Proverbs doesn't condemn the one who plans. So make plans. And use wisdom as you do this. But what Proverbs does tell us in a unique sense is about our perspective on plan making. And perhaps a shift that we need to have in our minds in the way that we make our plans. Because as I said, we're going to be making them either way. So what perspective can we have that God wants for us? When we're faced with the decisions of life, Scripture tells us that we aren't actually the ones in charge of the outcomes of our plans. We are not the ones in charge of the outcomes for the plans that we make. Again, the heart of the man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Or a different verse from Proverbs 21, verse 1. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord, and he turns it where he wills. That is God turns it where he wills. So we can make brilliant strategies and careful decisions, but the fact is that God is making his plans happen in the end. We aren't the ones who actually control the way that things end up. That's God's role. There's an old saying that goes like this, how do you make God laugh? Make a plan. How do you make God laugh? Make a plan. Isaiah describes it uh, more beautifully than that in different parts of the book, but the prophet Isaiah in chapter 14, verses 24 and 27, he, uh, he says this, The Lord of hosts has sworn, As I have planned, so shall it be. As I have purposed, so shall it stand. For the Lord of hosts has purpose. Who will annul it? His hand has stretched out. Who will turn it back? The answer is nobody. Nobody will. Later in Isaiah 46, God speaks. He says, I'm God. There is no one like me. I declare the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will accomplish my purpose. We are too used to thinking that we call the shots, that we truly have control, aren't we? This is the, the narrative of 
today and perhaps of all time, I don't know, but um, this idea that we're in charge of our lives, um, that we're in control, this is a natural way of thinking for us. So it's disruptive to hear uh, someone like Isaiah say that actually God is sovereign. God is sovereign. So what do we make of this? I think the basic challenge for us and perhaps the most important response is trust. To trust. To place our trust in God with the plans that we've been tasked with. And as we do this and we reread the words of Isaiah and other parts of scripture which speak of God's sovereignty, what's going to happen is the Holy Spirit fills us actually with a sense of freedom. As we reorient our perspective on space and time and who's in charge, we're going to be liberated and freed. We're afraid to let go of our control, but as we do that and give it back to the one who's in control, we'll find freedom. We'll be free from that overwhelming stress of having to make all the, the perfect choices in our life. We're blessed as we know that God's purpose is being worked out in the midst of confusion and failure and shortcomings. God's plan is coming to pass from the beginning into eternity, even when in this moment our plans are just falling flat. So to those of us today who have big choices in our minds, let me encourage you to, as I said, plan well, uh, use wisdom, think carefully about what's in front of you, but to hold your plans loosely in light of knowing who actually causes things to pass. It isn't you. It's God who's in control. It's not me, it's the Lord. So instead of trusting in my plans, I should trust in God and hold fast to him, the one who has promised to use all things for his glory and the benefit of those who love him. I'm not in charge of the outcomes. God is. People make plans, but God establishes our steps. I'll take just a minute to share one example. I could probably think of, you know, a number of them from my life where I had to deal with this and navigate with it and, and actually struggle with it quite a bit. Um, and some of you have heard this story already. Early in 2018, Crystal and I were uh, discussing and praying over the idea of having another baby. Uh, we had Selah, who was five at the time, and Jasper, who was three. And um, it seemed like the right time for us to make that choice and know what to do going forward, so we prayed about it. And in in March 2018, we were overjoyed to learn that Chrysalin was expecting. Like I said, we carefully made this plan. We prayed about it. We felt confident moving into this. And and then with Chrysalin expecting, it just felt like a confirmation and a blessing that uh, God was with us in this. Uh, We didn't tell anyone that we were expecting yet, but we were excited too. Our excitement was huge. 
fast forward uh, just a couple of short weeks, and we miscarried. And everything switched, just like that. We were excited, and, and suddenly we were shocked. Uh, we were confused and filled with sadness. We didn't know what to do. We struggled and prayed. Eventually, we told this news to people, which was not the news that we thought we were going to be telling people just a few days before, you know. So we shared with our friends and family and asked for prayer as we walked through this. And we learned a lot. One thing I learned as a side note is that this happens uh, far more often than I knew. Uh, If you and your immediate family have not experienced a miscarriage, statistically speaking, you know lots of people who have whether they've talked about it or not. So I understand that this is a sensitive idea to bring up on a Sunday morning. However, um, awareness is important, and and just having that in your heart and mind to be able to care for people and pray for and walk with those who have experienced this kind of uh, pain in varying degrees and whatever it may be to support one another. Um. Anyways, I won't pretend to understand how God works fully in situations like these or or much even, you know, obviously there are much harder and darker situations as well. I don't know how it works. I can't explain it. What I do know is that in these moments when our plans fall through, it is easy and very tempting to blame God. It's so easy, and Satan wants us to blame God. After all, he's the one who directs our steps, isn't he? So we want to point it back at him and say, well, listen, God, I I thought that, you know, you confirmed this, and we were walking through this and excited about it, and you're establishing our path, so what's the deal? Why did this happen? And so, obviously, we struggled. But as we did this, rather than blame God, we continued to come before him uh, with our brokenness, not even having all that much to say. But we prayed and we deliberated to continue leaning on God together for our hope and for our peace in spite of our heartbreak. And so the fact... On the one hand, that God is in control of things, it's very hard to accept. When you're hurting, like I said, because logically, that's where we go. It's very hard to reconcile, and we can't wrap our heads around the sovereignty of God. That's not for us. But believe me, that the other side of the coin of trust and of faith is that we can lean on God's sovereignty for our peace, when we're hurting and he gives it his grace is there and he he lavished it on us honestly in those dark days Um, our story in particular has a beautiful ending as Malachi is screaming right now not screaming but squawking It's so happy for us, and we're filled with joy all the more and celebrate. We thank God every day for what he has brought into our life after that time. But we didn't know, right? When we were there, we didn't know what was next. 
God did, and we're so grateful for what he's done. Malachi is six months old. He's our third baby boy, and he's beautiful. Through the process, like I said, there was a lot to learn. We gained more understanding and empathy for those who do experience this sort of loss and more. Um, but here we are a short time later, and somehow God has given us the miracle of a, a new baby. But wherever we were at, uh, God was with us throughout. We were sad and confused, but we were not without hope because God gave it to us while we were there. Whether we see our plans come to pass or not, I believe that we can trust that God is directing our steps towards a plan much bigger than the plans that we've made. This is what he's told us. Psalm 33 explains it for us really well in verses 10 to 12. It says, The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. God frustrates the plans of the people, but his stand forever. And so we are blessed who God has chosen as his heritage. So to summarize, wisdom is knowing that our best plan is to abide in the Lord and to trust in him, to submit ourselves, our minds, our hearts, our plans, our lives to him. The psalm says, blessed is the the nation whose trust is in the Lord. So where do you place your trust? Because God has this amazing plan that extends to bless all those who call on his name through his son Jesus. And again, as we step into this, we'll realize that we aren't left with the unbearable burden of always toiling and progressing in our own efforts. We're set free into life with God who takes our successes and failures and uses them for his perfect and redemptive plan. And this is so, so good. Like I said, I don't know what decisions you may or may not be faced with today. Maybe there isn't one. But perhaps there is. Perhaps you feel burdened with the need to come up with a plan for something big. You don't know how it's going to work out. You may even be stressed about the future. I've been there. But know that God is working to direct your steps toward the place that you could not have orchestrated even with your most amazing efforts. Or as Proverbs says later in chapter 16, commit your work to the Lord. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. This does not contradict what I've been reading, which speaks of God's plans being established. Rather, it instructs us in how we are to work and see God's will in our lives. 
And, of course, this is easier said than done to commit our work to the Lord, to trust in God. But this is the best way for us to live. The work that is ahead of you, whether it's plans or other things, it should be committed to the Lord. Because as we do that, God blesses our work and we see things come to pass in his will. Let's choose to find comfort and hope in the fact that it's God who makes our path for us, not ourselves. We can trust in his control of whatever situation we find ourselves in and be blessed in this. We're blessed as we find God's goodness and choose to abide in it in life. I'll read from Ephesians. I know I'm jumping all around this morning. Um, In the letter to the Ephesians, chapter 1, 9 to 12, the apostle tells them this. God made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ as a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. In him we've also received an inheritance because we were predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will. So that we who had already put our hope in Christ might bring praise to his glory. So as we're gathered here this morning, reflecting, uh, perhaps considering the plans that we may or may not be facing in our lives or the burdens that we need to deal with, let me call you to lay them down at the cross this morning and to understand how all of this in in God's plan was fulfilled and, and completed in Jesus. It was God's pleasure to provide Christ for us at the right time to save us. In Jesus, we've been delivered into the true path that God ordained before time. God's plan is always at work in spite of our limited perspective today. And we benefit from this eternally. Even our biggest challenges that we face in life are but a shadow of what Jesus has done for us in his sacrifice on the cross. Speaking of God's plan, Jesus chose to trust his Father's plan even as he faced death. Jesus saw the redemption that God was to work through him in that moment, and he obeyed. Because of it, we're freed. You and I, we're free from sin, we're free from guilt. Ultimately, we're free from death, and we're made alive in Christ. Because of Jesus' trust in the Father, that his will was to save humanity through his death on the cross. God wills that we would be saved in this most extravagant act of love 
This love is given for you and for me.